Well, good morning, St. John's Church. My name is Tom. I'm the pastor here. And as Laura said, I am out at Babe Man Park. This is the park, the place that we are gathering in person together for worship for the first time this weekend at 10 a.m. And our plan is to continue to do that, weather and conditions permitting at 10 a.m. and uh, every Sunday that we're able to. And we would encourage you, if you're comfortable, to join us out there. Or if you're most comfortable at home, you can join us from home as well and we wanted you to to be on location with us no matter which way you're coming to us because we know that the Spirit of God is calling us into unity whether we are scattered apart or whether we're together and so I just wanted to come to you from this this beautiful place I do apologize it's a little windy and so you might hear that sound Um, but that's okay because we're together the Spirit of God is drawing us as one, and we are preparing our hearts to hear His words. So uh, right now, if you would, join me in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for this beautiful place. And more important than that, I want to thank you for your hand that says that you created all of this, and then you placed us as, as your children, as ones made in your likeness and image to, to dress, till, and keep the earth, to, to be blessed by your beautiful creation to be able to see your fingerprints in everything. And so, God, I just pray that as we study your word together from this place, that it would remind us of who you are, of how much you love us, God, and that you might draw us together and draw us closer to you in a way that we will be more like you when we leave than when we came. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to join me. Our reading today is in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Luke 10, 38. If you don't have a Bible, open it up in your Bible app. Um, Whatever you'd like to do, would love for you to join along as we begin together. Verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. Well, this morning we are in our second week of our new series titled The Art of Neighboring. Last week we started with the scripture that comes just before our reading today. It's Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. And it establishes the answer to the question, who is my neighbor? Because if we're going to spend four weeks or so talking about how to be a good neighbor, we probably should have a good working definition of who our neighbor is. And so, so I just want to kind of recap that uh, because it, it comes right into the scripture reading that we're reading this morning. Uh, that parable begins with a religious lawyer asking Jesus a very practical question. He says, when you look at the entire law, the Old Testament, then what do you think it takes to inherit eternal life? What do you think it takes to get to heaven? And Jesus kind of asks him a question that leads him to an answer, which is the great commandment. He says it all comes down to two things. Love God and love your neighbor. See, you know the answer to that question as well. And the religious leader doesn't have any questions about loving God, which can only mean that he doesn't think he has any problem with that part. 
But he does say, who is my neighbor? He wants to know, am I doing a good job with that? Who is my neighbor? And, and the way Jesus answers it is with a story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan who helped a Jewish man. The Samaritans and Jews did not get along at all. And it was a Jewish man who was attacked on this road and the Samaritan saw him, helped him, helped him get to uh, back back to good health, um, threw him up on his animal, took him back into town, paid all of his medical bills. And the moral of the story at the end is Jesus says, go and do likewise to, to help the people around us in need. And so the working definition that we can use to describe who our neighbor is, is, is anyone around us who is in need. And if that's our definition, then the next question is, how do we find an opportunity to do what Jesus calls us to do? Like if Jesus said to love God and love your neighbor, then how do we take loving your neighbor seriously? And one of the biggest barriers, for me at least, and I think probably for many of you, is, is a very simple one. It's that we, we just don't have enough time. Uh, Now think about this question. Actually, don't think about this question. Can you answer this without even thinking? If I want you to complete the sentence, if I had more time, I would blank, what would you say? If I had more time, I would blank. See, we all have an answer to that question. And, 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 And that shows us that that we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> In my neighborhood, we, um, we live across the street from a condominium community, and uh, our side of, of the neighborhood is single-family homes, and, and many of those homes are occupied with, with parents who are working, with kids, and then the condominiums are mostly people who are retired, and it's always fascinating to me when we go out on a walk. I'm, I'm fascinated by the difference between uh, going through the one side of the neighborhood and the other. When we go through the part that includes mostly retired people, uh, they're usually sitting out in the front yard or in their garage or in their driveway, and it takes twice as long to get through there because we like to talk to everybody as we go through. And then when we go through the rest of the neighborhood, we usually see a lot less people, even though that part's a whole lot bigger because people tend to be in their backyards or inside the house with the garage door closed or not even home. And, and I don't say that as a judgment. I live on that side. We are oftentimes in our own backyard. It's just different seasons of life. But when I think about it, it's also a little bit like our culture, does, isn't it? it? It's indicative to, to our culture that we even design our own neighborhoods in such a way that there's more room to spend time in the backyard than in the front yard. Our garage doors are usually closed. If you have a front porch and you've built your house in the last 20 years, it might be there more for decoration than it is actually to sit and use. And it leads us to a very basic question. If we're so busy, how can I love my neighbors if I'm too busy to know them? How can I love my neighbors if I'm too busy to know them? And it reminds me of another hidden message that we didn't talk about last week in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Three men walked by this man who was left for dead on the side of the road, and it was the Samaritan, the only one who went and took the time to stop and help the man on the side of the road. And I shared last week that that road was not a road. It wasn't like this path here where if you want to go walk your dog or go on a leisurely stroll that that's what you would do. That was not the road between Jericho and Jerusalem that Jesus was outlining in the story. This 
this was a dangerous road. Anybody who was on this road was on there for a purpose and spent the least amount of time on the road as they possibly could. They had places to go, people to see. And that had to be the case for the Samaritan. It wasn't that he had time. It's that he allowed the man in need to interrupt what he was doing. He allowed him to interrupt his plans so that he could love him, so that he could help him, so that he could serve him. And there's this quote in the book that this series is based on. It's, it's called The Art of Neighboring, and the quote goes like this. He says, hurry is incompatible with love. Hurry is incompatible with love. And, and when I think about that statement, all I need to think about is, is my three-year-old daughter. If she comes to me with her Barbie dolls or with a tea set and she wants to play and I tell her that I don't have time, that I'm hurried, the expression on her face tells me that this statement is true. Hurry is incompatible with love. And friends, it's the same thing with our neighbors. If we're too busy to stop and help our neighbors, we can't love them. And if we've if we've learned anything over the last three months, it's that, that we need our neighbors, right? We need the love of our neighbors. We need one another. And I've, I've said this before, and I'm probably going to keep saying it over and over again. As I, as I watch our world open up, as I watch our economy and our social lives begin to open, just different, but, but they're opening, my fear, my fear, and I'm seeing it already take place, is that we're not going to leave room for our neighbors, And we see how easy that is in the story that we're reading today in Luke chapter 10. So let's let's go through that again. Verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, just last week, we, now just like last week, we, we need to be careful, right? We know the end of the story, many of us do, because we've heard this story over and over again. We know that, that Martha's the one who's like, yeah, you're not worried about the right things, and we know that Mary's the one that's doing the right thing, but, but we can't attack Martha because if you or I were in her shoes, we'd probably be like Martha and not like Mary. And so last time I preached this, I, I shared that, that this story is not maybe like what it looks like on the surface. Jesus and his disciples had just come back from lots of different serving. There were 72 others that were following along and then also probably even more people than that because at this point in the story, Jesus is is maybe going to be the, the new king and the Messiah. And so you can imagine that there would be an entourage that was following him. And so when Jesus shows up at the home of Martha and Mary, it's likely that he didn't just come alone and he didn't even just come with his 12 closest disciples, but he may have shown up with a hundred of his closest friends. And so you've got that, and, and Lazarus, the brother to Martha and Mary, is nowhere to be found. Mary pulls up a chair, and she just sits with Jesus, and Martha's left to try to figure out, how do I feed all of these people? And so she says to Jesus what you and I would say. She says in verse 40, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And of course she says that. Like you and I would say that too. There's nothing surprising about Martha's response. Jesus is the one that surprises us. When he says to her, he says, Martha, Martha. And I love those words. When Jesus calls us by name, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. 
Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And I read those words this week. I've heard that story countless times, but I thought, you know, doesn't the progression Jesus shares there perfectly describe us in this pandemic that we've been through over the last three months? I mean, at the beginning, right, it was so hard to sit down and and be like Mary at the feet of Jesus. You know, that's what I preached, is that we needed to to calm, we needed to sit at the feet of Jesus, but, but practically speaking, it was really hard for me, and I know it was really hard for most of you. It was a lot easier to be Martha. It was a lot easier to be Martha and be upset about many different things. My, my job or my vacation plans or the kids' sports or, or my retirement account. I even got a letter from our energy company here in Elkhorn assuring us that our power wasn't going to be turned off. And I thought, my goodness, I hadn't even thought to worry about that. But obviously, many of us were. So many things to worry about and things that are natural to be concerned about. Just like it was natural for Martha to be worried about, how am I going to feed 100 people all by myself? And so, So Jesus says to her, you're worried and upset about many things. Of course you are. But then he says that that there's only a few things that are needed. And I think, well, that was the next phase in our whole experience with COVID-19, wasn't it? It's like, okay, I can't can't worry about everything, but but there are a few things that are essential that I need to worry about, right? Like maybe that that vacation to Disney can wait, but, but I do need to pay my mortgage, or I need to pay the rent. Maybe, maybe I don't need to go shopping for a new outfit, but I do need toilet paper, and it's out everywhere. Maybe my kids won't be able to play sports, but they do need to go to school online, and so we've got to figure that out. That was, that was the second phase where we're worried and upset about many things. Okay, there's a lot of things I don't have to, but there's still some things that are essential. But then Jesus comes to the third phase. And the third phase is he says, he says, you're worried and upset about many things, Few things are needed. And then he says, actually, only one thing is needed. Only one thing. And you know what that one thing is? It's people. It's people. While Martha was running around worrying about all the details, Mary was sitting at the feet of the one person who came to be with them, the person in the flesh who is also God. His name is Jesus. And her focus was on people. Her focus was on people. And that was the third phase of our experience as well. I mean, after we got over the the worry and the anger over lost vacations and sporting events and and going out to restaurants after all the toilet paper in the world seemed to be out of stock and on social media there were all these really creative ways of dealing with that. If you ran out, I'm not going to share some of those, but I'm guessing bidets became a really hot selling item for a while. When the stock market crashed and, and nobody knew what was going to happen next, we, we began to, to start to realize that, that really at the end of the day, the thing that's most important is people. Is people, my, my loved ones, my neighbors, those who are sick, those that, that we don't want to get sick. And, and, and my fear, and again, I said this before, My fear, and I see it happening already, is that as this world begins to open up again, as people start to go on vacations again, as the world's supply of toilet paper is replenished again, are we going to forget that at the end of the day, the main thing is still the main thing. The thing that mattered most over these last three months is still the one thing that matters most right now, and it's people. 
It's loving God and loving our neighbors. And that was illustrated in, in a devotion I read this week. It was from Mother Teresa, of all people. If you don't know the story of Mother Teresa, she dedicated her entire life to meeting the physical needs of neighbors, people that she didn't even know by serving the poor in India. She won the Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize. She ended up it, by 2015 uh, starting a movement that led to efforts to, to others serving in, in her style and from her mission and vision in 844 communities all around the world, over 5,000 different people serving the poor. But do you know what she said about loving others? She said this, and I quote, she said, it's easy to love people that are far away. It's not always easy to love those who are close to us. It's easier to give a cup of rice to relieve hunger than to relieve the loneliness and pain of someone unloved in our own home. Bring love into your home, for this is where our love for each other must start. Friends, that's what's been so hard, hasn't it? As we were locked down, as much as we love our families and the people around us, we also know that it makes it incredibly difficult to love them. But Mother Teresa says we have to begin there. And the reason why is because she, she continues. She says, the greatest disease in the West today is not tuberculosis or leprosy. And I think today she'd also say it's also not COVID-19. It's being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There's many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. Which is why Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Friends, as things open up, as we, as we gather together in person again this weekend in the park, we are still in the midst of a crisis. People need love. And that's why Jesus' command is to love your neighbor. And so this week, I want to give you a very simple assignment. Make time to be able to do that. And it's, it's very simple how I want to encourage you to do that. I want you to, to take the time. If it takes you, let's say if it takes you 10 minutes to, to walk your block in your neighborhood, I want you to give yourself extra time. Maybe give yourself 30 minutes. And when you go for a walk this week, before you go out on the block, I want you to stop and I want you to pray, maybe while you're tying your shoes. And as you pray, say, Lord God, I'm going to dedicate this next 30 minutes to you because I've got lots of things to do, lots of, of chores, lots of plans. But for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to trust that you're going to give me an opportunity to get to know my neighbor. Lord God, I pray that, that if there's anyone in my neighborhood that you're calling me to serve now or even in the future, God, would you give me a divine appointment with that person as I go for a walk? Maybe, maybe I'll have my dog with me and they'll be walking their dog and the dogs will get together and join one another for a minute and greet. Lord God, maybe, maybe somebody will come out to their mailbox and I'll make it a point to say hello and introduce myself. Lord God, I know this isn't easy. I know a lot of us are such private people, but I also believe that, that your command is, is for the benefit, not just of myself, but of the people around me to love you and to love my neighbor. And so I'm going to give you this time to do that. 
And I'm going to pray that you will give me the opportunity to get to know my neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer before you go on a walk, and if you do that multiple times, I I guarantee God will give you an opportunity to get to know someone. And when you do that, you're going to have an opportunity to love them. It may not be right away. There was this... um, retreat that we used to do um, called Via de Cristo, Crisio, uh, Trace Diaz. There's, there's, there's lots of different names for it. And there's this saying that, that goes with the retreat as you leave. It's a spiritual retreat where you learn how, how to, to live out the faith that, that God calls us to through the gospel of Jesus. And it's a very simple phrase. It says, it says make a friend, be a friend, and bring a friend to Christ. And it's the progression that we need to, to do. We can't, we can't bring a friend to Christ until we've been able to be their friend. And we can't be someone's friend until we actually become their friend. Friends, the people around us, our neighbors, are the people that God is calling us to serve. And so your assignment in mind this week is maybe just to make a friend. To become a friend so that you can be a friend so that when the opportunity presents itself that that person needs the love of Jesus, you'll be ready to bring it to them. And so let's pray right now for that moment. Lord Jesus, we pray that you give us that opportunity. And we pray that because we know that ultimately we benefit from your love and the community of all the saints because chances are great that someone else did that for us. And so, God, help us to be the Good Samaritan. Help us to be a neighbor that that reaches out and gets to know those around us. And help us to do that in such a way that we might become a friend and a neighbor to those who are in need, that we might be able to bring not just our own tangible service and love to those relationships, but that we may be your light and the love of Christ in our neighborhoods. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.